Psalm 2 says, Why are the nations in an uproar? The peoples devising a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence. Rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. You know, as we uh, have... I haven't taken a, a, a little bit of time to talk about kind of a, a world view, especially in light of everything going on over in Eastern Europe with, with Ukraine and with Russia, because I want us to not just look at what is, what is happening, and what is happening is terrible, but I want, it, I want us to, to look at what, how does God see this? What is God doing? What is his plan for the world? Because if, if we just get... Our, our mind focused on, on the little things where we can miss out on God's great agenda. And I want us to be um, more focused on God's great agenda. And, and number one, God is a, he's a multi-generational God. He plans for the long term, which may mean hundreds of years. And that's okay. And he's done a lot in the last, even the last hundred years. Did, did you know that... Um, uh, there, there are around, there are over 2.18 billion Christians in the world, and these numbers I think are a little bit old, uh, but they haven't updated them just recently. They they will wait for a lot of the um, the census data. Over 2.18 billion Christians in the world. And of course, there's over seven billion people. Um, that's up almost four times from a hundred years ago. So in the last 100 years, it has almost quadrupled the amount of uh, people. And that is mostly has come up in the global south. So uh, South Saharan uh, Africa, um, South, south America, Australia uh, has just absolutely exploded with the gospel. Uh, of, of that uh, 2.18 billion, there are around 650. 44 million that would identify themselves with some sort of Pentecostalism. So a spirit-filled group. It's, it's a, a really, really, um, uh, it, it's going like wildfire. Um, so people who believe in the gifts of the spirit, which we just uh, you know, went through, 644 million in the world. And again, a lot of that is um, in the global south. Um, now, in America, we have a slightly different story. Um, they uh, they just came out with a, a study in the last couple of years for the fr- and this is Gallup for the, in the last couple of years for the first time since they had been polling 
um, church membership, and this is this is across different religions. It's not just Christianity. It's it's um, Christians, uh, Jews, Muslims. Um, it has dropped below fifty percent in the United States for the first time um, in the last couple of years. Um, to give you an idea, um, in uh, it was fifty percent in twenty eighteen. It's dropped to 47%. Now, in 1999, it was 70%. Uh, it was 73% when they first started measuring it in 1937 and remained near 70% for the next six decades. And it's just now um, started to drop uh, in the last, um, what is that, 10 years. Um, and they, they're saying it... Um, the nuns, people who don't identify with any uh, religion, have, have come up um, e- extraordinarily. People who, may, they may say they're, reli- they're religious but not, they're spiritual but not religious. You know, they don't, they don't want to be a part of any organized religion. Uh, has been the fastest growing number. But as we, as we look at these statistics and what is going on, in the world, ultimately, the world has um, th- the number of Christians has grown, and uh, I'll, I'll show in just a minute. Um, you know, I think what some of the things that God is doing. So, here in the United States, we've got some work to do, right? We really do. Uh, but as a whole, um, Christianity is growing, and it is it is sho- it is shown in the world now. Psalm 2 uh, really is a, uh, if you will, it's a conversation, okay? It's not just a psalm. Uh, I mean, it is a psalm, but it, if you look, there are actually four different um, parts if, or, or voices in this psalm, okay? And uh, I want us to identify those today. Because this this is a coronation psalm. People have have wondered whose coronation is it? Is it David? Is it Solomon? And it doesn't fit really any of them. The New Testament writers show that it's Jesus, and it, it's a messianic coronation. By the by the way, everybody knows um, anybody what Messiah means? Anointed, right? Uh, would anybody know what Christ means? Anointed, right? So they're 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 exactly the same. If if I say Messiah, it's the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew um, for anointed. Christ is an, is the new is the New Testament Greek uh, for anointed one. So this is a, a this is a psalm about the anointed one, about Jesus. Um, the first, um, and we'll, we we'll see. I believe that we have a, a part to play uh, in this psalm. Um, the first three. Uh, lines. Why are the nations in an uproar? Verse, verse 3 verses. The people's devising a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Christ, his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. So this is what the nations say. Let us, let us tear their fetters apart. Let us cast their cords from us. And the, the idea is it's like a vassal nation. Okay, you know what I'm, I'm talking about? About a, a vassal uh, nation. So, 
um, as far back as, as I can really even uh, think, and when you look at the Old Testament, um, you know, there would be a kingdom that would rise, and they would, they would go through and they would conquer other kingdoms. Kind of like what's happen, trying to happen over with Russia and Ukraine. But when you, w- back then it was a lot worse even. We think about what's happening in Ukraine and it's awful, it's terrible. But back then they would go through and they would, they would come and, and say, okay, you, you, a lot of times it would be, you're going to serve us and you're going to pay us tribute, a vassal nation, or we're just going to kill everybody. Everybody. <laughs> so there's not much choice, <laughs> right? Um, you see this uh, with uh, several kingdoms. You even look at it with the Israelites. When the Israelites went into the promised land, when they first got there, God told them with, with Jericho, go in, kill everybody. Every man, woman, child, dog, cat, cow, name it, just kill them. Kill them all. And uh, you know that Rahab found grace and her family found grace in the eyes of the Lord and were, were spared. But that was what, what God did with a bunch of these kingdoms. But then as they went through, some of them became vassal kingdoms. Right, and as you go through, and you see this with different um, kings and kingdoms, uh, the the kingdom, uh, one kingdom would come in and conquer, and they'd say, "Okay, we're going to let you live in our kingdom, but you're going to have to pay pay me tribute. We'll we'll help protect you, and, and you'll you'll be our servants, but you you need to pay us money, and lots of it, until that kingdom went. I don't have any more money to give. We're going to have to fight, right? And then then it would be on, but that's what it was. It was continuous, if you will, wars um, so much of the time because you had kingdoms that would want to go in and conquer. And this is how they would, this is one way that they'd get land and money and, you know, riches and treasure for their kingdom, which is what you see with what David did, right? David went out and conquered everybody around. And uh, Solomon was extremely rich because David conquered. And he, um, of course, God's wisdom and blessing. But uh, David conquered. So this is the nations wanting to cast off their cords from the Lord. Because ultimately, Jesus is king. He's my king. Do you know him? But they, they realize that there is this king and there's, there is a God who's in charge. And they say, you know, we are going to get, we're, we're, we're going to do our best to get rid of this God. We're going to cast his cords off from us. We're not going to serve him. They're, they're, they're going to try to, um, uh, to, to cast off everything about God. We, we've heard that before, haven't we? We, we can, we can kind of look at some of the things that have happened in the United States just recently and go, you know, they're, they're trying to cast God out of everything, cast him out of school and cast him out of the family and cast him out of government and cast him out of, right? And we oftentimes, I think, have a, uh, a little bit wrong approach. I don't want to say wrong, but different approach, I think, to what the Lord would have to... Let's let's see how God responds to this. Okay? Verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. 
He will speak to them in his anger, terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. All right, take a pause. We, we often talk, you know, we get all flustered. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? They just, you know, we, we, we've got this, this law that's just coming down from the Supreme Court. We've got, um, you know, they, they just got uh, this other law that they're, they're, people are saying this bad about this and this about that. And, and we get all flustered, right? What are we going to do now? They just got the Bible out of school and they've just said this is in government and, and they, they're just making it so that everybody can use any bathroom that they want to use. And what, what are we, we all of a sudden start getting all worked up and all panicked like, like, like they just knocked God off his throne. But what's, what, what's God's reaction? He laughs. He scoffs at him. Don't you understand? I put my king upon the throne. There is a king on the, on the throne. Um, let, let's turn to a, a couple different places here. Because uh, I, I want you to see this. Um, Acts chapter number... No, that's not where I want to go. Um, go to Acts thirteen. So, when when did when did this happen? Actually, I am getting ahead of myself. That's okay. Um, I'm sorry. Flip back over to Acts, uh, Acts four, twenty-five. Acts four, twenty-five. I'm sorry. Glanced ahead of my notes. Four twenty-five says, "Who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of the father, our father David said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together.'" against the Lord and, and against his Christ. For truly in this city they were gathered together your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. This is the, um, the uh, church came back and prayed together. And uh, when they got finished, he said, when they had, when they had prayed, verse 31, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word with boldness. So as they, they, they were persecuted, okay? They were persecuted, and the church came back together, and they prayed Psalm 2. Isn't that cool? They prayed Psalm 2. said, look, they've all done this, but Lord, we're going to stand on your word. Prayed Psalm two, and when they got done, the place was shaken, and it says they were they were given boldness to preach. So then the Father speaks in verse four through six, and he gives his solution. He gives his solution. I have installed my king 
upon Zion, my holy mountain. And as we, as we look at the world around us, that needs to be our response. And again, we, we tend to think when we see a bunch of uh, negative things going on in the world, we tend to look at the things in Ukraine, and we look at um, government here and, and what they're doing, and, and uh, these different fringe groups that are demanding more and more and more, and, and you, you start to, to think, you know, where is God in all of this? How can there be a God ruling and reigning when, when we have all of this mess that's taking place? We have, we have innocents being bombed over in U- Ukraine and civilians, and we have, um, uh, we have stuff going on here. You know, I think about Florida and the different uh, things going on in Florida right now with the, with the law that just went into effect and everybody being in an uproar. And you're going, seriously, Lord, are you still there? And the Lord says, look, I've installed my king. I put my king in the place. And that needs to be our response. We look at everything and we, and, uh, and we go, you know what? There's still a, there is a king and he's on the throne. There is a king and he's on the throne. We'll talk a little bit more about what our, our response is here later in the, in the psalm. But then you have the, uh, then you actually have, you hear from the sun here. And I should have marked my place. I am losing the sword drill. Here we go. Uh, starting in verse 7, the, the speaker changes. It says, I will surely de- tell of the decree of the Lord. So this is the son, and he's telling, uh, he's actually quoting the father here. You, you can see it as you, as you look closely. I'll tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give the nations as your inheritance, the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. So did you see how he said, he said to me, I will give you the nations. Right? So you, you see how that's the son saying that and, and quoting the father. When did this happen? Right. I want you. To, I, I know we're going to be flipping back and forth to a few different places, but I want you to see this because I want you to get this. I want you to get this in your heart because um, as I really believe that as we believe, the Lord's going to give us. And at, not just us, but at the church as a whole. You know, if, if the church as a whole is, is not, uh, in, in the, the, I say the church as a whole in the United States even, the Lord will give us what we believe for. He'll give us what we have, have the faith for. Now, sometimes he'll give us grace and not give us what we're, what we're but uh, most of the time, eventually he says, oh, you know what, if that's what you're believing for, I'm going to give it to you, which is not always a good thing, okay? So let's make sure we're believing for the right things. Um, Acts 13, did I tell you that already? Acts 13, verse 33.
He says, and we, in verse 32 says, and we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you. So when, when did he say that of the son? When, when, when does Paul say here that uh, that I mean, he's quoting Psalm two and telling us when that happened? Let's see if I think. Um, let me go at the resurrection. Let's look, it's a little more clear here in Romans 1. Let's flip over a few pages to Romans 1. It's the same thing. <clears throat> Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, starting at the very top, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his, holy, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you see that? So, uh, when, did, when did this happen? At, at the resurrection, right? It, it is prefigured in the baptism Okay, remember Jesus is being baptized. This is my beloved son, right? It's it's prefigured in that because um, baptism is a prefiguring of the death, burial, and resurrection, right? So, at the resurrection, Jesus is put on the throne at the right hand of God, at the the seat of power, and it's kind of, if you will, it's the it's. They've kind of put it as a, in a dramatization. Okay, I don't know if this is perfectly accurate, but it's like Jesus dies, you know, uh, raises again from the dead. He ascends to the Father. And in the Old Testament, you've got the Father reigning. And in the, when Jesus comes before the Father, this is um, uh, uh, Daniel chapter number 7, it's like he says, well, well done, son. Here, here's the chair. You sit and reign. You sit and reign. It's, it's, your, it's your ball game now. Okay? Look in, uh, look in um, Acts chapter 2. That's Peter's sermon, which he, he ascended. Um, it, and he, is, he sits at the right hand of God Most High as the king, as the Christ. Um, and what, what, is he, what is he doing up there? Reigning in what? There's a, there's, there's a word that they used in the New Testament. He longs to, he always makes intercession for us, right? So what is, in Psalm 2, what does it say he's, he's asking for?
Ask of me and I'll give. The nations. Ask of me and I'll give the nations as your inheritance. Right? Is that, is that what it says? He's asking the Lord to give him. He's asking the Father to give him the nations. And us, because we're part of him. Right? Because we're part of his body. But he, he's, he's, he's asking the Father, give me the nations, Daddy. Give the nations to me. As, and how many, how many of you know that the Father hears the Son? And I, I bet you he answers his, his Son's requests. Right? Give me the nations. Isn't that cool? Does that, does that sound anything like the Great Commission? Go into all the nations. Disciple them. Make them disciples. Teach them to do everything I've told you, I've commanded you. But then the last, the last part, the, 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 the scribe speaks. The scribe, this is, this, so this is not the son anymore. This is not the father. This is not the nations. This is, this is now therefore, O king, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the, Lord, worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son that he not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. We can see this. Um, you know, we can we can see this throughout. This this is this is the message of the gospel, right? This is the message of the gospel. Kiss this. Do, bend the knee to the son. Do homage. Bow your knee to the son, or he'll make you bow, one way or the other. Okay. Then the the old timers would say. Um, turn or burn, right? You do have a choice, not much of one, but there is a choice there, okay? And that's that's the message. Now, um, when when is this taking place? I want you to, because this is really important. Flip over to to Hebrews. You know, um, Penny pulled out Hebrews earlier, and you guys always preach my sermons before me, and I love it. And, you know, it just confirms to me that the Lord is um, the whole. The Holy Spirit is speaking. Hebrews ten. Flip over to Hebrews ten. Hebrews ten, verse starting verse eleven. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, that's Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, here's, here's the quote again, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. You see that? So where where is he now? 
seated at the right hand of God, and he's going to stay there until when? Until his enemies are under his feet. Is that what it says? I mean, check me here, guys, okay? He's going to stay there until his enemies are under his feet. So what is our job? Our job is to preach this. This last voice that you hear in this psalm is the message of the gospel. There is a king on the throne. And your job is to bend your knee to him. Now we do that in love. We do it through prayer. We do it in, in such a way that we're, uh, we're giving a good witness, but we, we don't want to just give half the gospel either. Right? There's a, there's a big push to give just a little bit of the gospel. In fact, I, uh, it's been several years ago now that I was talking to um, our friend Huntsy, um, who goes all over. He said, he said Ryan, people are now, um, they're saying, hey, if you, if you want to be a Christian, just give God a fist bump, and that's good enough. Just give God a fist bump, and, 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 and you're good. He said they're, they're taking out repentance out of the en- entire gospel. They're taking out having to follow and realizing there is a king and a lord of your life that you have to submit to. Yay, God. And I'm all for saying yay, God, right? But, you know, it, you, you do that in, in reverence and holiness. You realize that there is a king and a lord, and you have to repent, and you have to realize that, hey, I'm not God. He is. I'm wrong. He's right. I'm sinful. He's pure. I've got to, I've got to submit my life to be able to receive his holiness. Right? And that's, that's the message of the gospel. That's what this is, is saying in Psalm 2. And we have a message for nations. We have a message for, for everything from town halls to state governments to um, the... Uh, to this, to the Capitol in Washington D.C. We have a message for nations that there is a king on the throne, and if you don't get things right, you're going to fall. And we've seen that happen. I mean, in in, in our lifetimes, and not your lifetimes over there, but but in the re- the rest of us. We remember back in you know ni- in 1990, 1991, when uh, when communism, so much of communism broke apart, and you know we were talking about Ukraine. Ukraine was has been a country. I mean, they they their civilization dates way 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 back, but the country that we have of Ukraine right now, which I didn't realize is the second largest country in Europe, um, goes 1991 is when they became a republic. And here they've got Russia, who is one of the superpowers of the world, who is now turning, <laughs> turning tail and running. And I believe it's really from the prayers of the people of God all over the world that's saying, uh-uh. Right? Because there's a king. There's a king on the throne. And we have to realize that. And God will use instances like this in order to bring his kingdom about. Now, one thing I wanted to, where I wanted to kind of get is I want us to get 
a, a big picture. No, number one, um, you know, like I said, God will give us a lot of what we believe for. If we believe that, um, if if we believe that the world is just going to get worse and worse, eventually God will say, "Okay, you know, I'll, I'll let your world get worse for you if you want that." Right? If we believe we're if we believe we're going to be a persecuted people, God will God will send somebody to persecute you because you really want that. If we if we believe that we won't have a voice in the United States, God will let us not have a voice in the United States. But if we believe there's a king and that we have a message for governments to say, look, straighten up, there is a king. And if you don't straighten up, he'll show you one of these days. Now, it might take 100 years for him to do it, all right? Because he is very, very gracious. And he will let it go on for, uh, for quite a while. But then he'll, there'll come a day that he'll say, that's enough. And I'm going to give it to the people of God. And just with, you know, when the Soviet Union fell, and um, I remember, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan standing at the wall and saying, uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And immediately that wall falls and churches spring up everywhere because there's freedom. And I believe, you know, it took, it took a long time. But the people of God prevailed in their prayers and God did it. He, he, he transformed the maps. I remember, you know, when I was a kid, I remember looking at the different maps and they're different today, aren't they? I mean, you had East Germany and West Germany. And you had all these, you know, these parts of the Soviet Union that, that are now different countries. Right? And God transformed it in a day. He heard. And he'll do the same. And if you look at the, the global impact, I believe, especially in the last hundred years with Christianity, as Christianity has, has really grown, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And we, we have seen, one reason this, this war in Ukraine is so shocking is because we have not seen anything like this since World War II. The wars that have been fought, you know, um, you know, when we've gone into Iraq or Afghanistan or um, you know different things, it, it's it's not kosher to kill civilians anymore. It used to be, you know, they would carpet bomb. <laughs> you know, all of London would would go down in, into bomb shelters regularly, right? Because Germany would come through a carpet, we'd carpet bomb over there. We you know we would try to hit military targets, but you know, ultimately it was. You know, you, what was dropping the atomic bomb on Japan? Twice. Right? But that doesn't happen anymore. Until it's in Ukraine, we're going, what are... But it's, I believe it's because the people of God, we, we've, we've grown. The, the, the Christians have grown worldwide, and all of a sudden, what's happening in the world is that it's making it so that wars are less. So that wars are fought more strategically when they are fought. That that there's there is peace that is going forth more and more and more. And we'll see that. That's that's the promise of God when you look through Isaiah. 
The promise of God is that there is a prince of peace and that they will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks, and they will learn war, war no more. Isn't that the promise of God for us? The prince of peace. Now, it's a progressive reign. It's a long-term thing. The, the seed, the mustard seed, was planted at Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And the, the, it sprouted, the first fruits being Jesus. And it's, it's going forth from there. It's getting more and more and greater and greater till it fills the earth. And we are part of it. I hope that's exciting to you. It's exciting to me. <laughs> right? But we have to believe for the right things. We have to believe that it's possible for it to have peace. We have to believe that God is on a mission and we are seeing it in our day that, that, that peace is actually getting greater and greater. And even though there's war there, God is going to use that. I believe God's going to use that to make a change in the, in the Soviet Union. I really do. I believe I don't know what it is, and, it, and I, I, I'm hoping and praying it's really, really soon. But but God uses things like this to say, okay, there's enough sin there now. It's, it's time for me to step in. I'm hoping and praying that that's it, so that the Soviet Union will open up for the gospel, and China next, and it'll be free. It'll be free for the gospel to go in, free for the church to arise. Free to, to worship God as, as they please and, and f freedom so that there will be peace and that Jesus' kingdom will reign in peace over there and over here. You know, we, have a, we have a job to do through our, our so much of it's through prayer. Like I said, a lot of it's our belief, we've got to, we've got to believe the right things. We've got to believe that, that there is a king. And that that king, it, it, his, judgment, his judgment might take till our kids' lifetimes. But it'll come. It'll come. It's our job to declare. It's our job to, to, to declare the gospel and to believe that, that even if I die and don't see it, it's coming. There will be a time that, that the gospel once, once again will, will rule in the United States. Ed, Edmund Burke said this, For evil to flourish, all that's needed is for good people to do nothing. Because Jesus is king, we need to believe that Christianity will spread. Because Jesus is king, the economy will recover. It's kind of hard to look at right now, isn't it? Because Jesus is king, morals will increase. Because Jesus is king, the government will be godly. Because Jesus is king, abortions are going to end. Because Jesus is king, poverty will shrink. Because Jesus is, is king, crime will become negligible. Because Jesus is king, the family will flourish. Because Jesus is king, crops will be bigger. Production will be greater. Because Jesus is king, the life of the kingdom will spread from one end of the globe to the other. So let's pray. Let's preach. 
must prophesy to the north, the south, the east, and to the west that his kingdom will come. His will will be done all over the globe and right here. We have a job to do. We need to believe for it and we need to speak the words out. If you have to get in your room by yourself and speak the words out, right? That does, that does a world of good. Speak them out. There is a king. And our area, our government, our people, the people in this area, they'll hear. They will hear the gospel and there will be a change that's made because we are here. Hopefully it'll be in our lifetime, but if it doesn't, it will come if we'll preach it and believe it, pray for it. It'll come. So let's make the difference. Let's do it today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the King of, of Wyndham, of Willimantic. You are the King of Eastern Connecticut. You're the king in Franklin and you're the king in Baltic and in Sprague. You're the king up to Eastford and you're the king in Columbia and in Canterbury. Lord, thank you that you are king of this area. Lord, you are, you are king in Hartford. Lord, thank you that you are king in Connecticut. That you are king in the United States of America. So Lord, we, we prophesy and we declare over this area that, that they must come to Jesus. That repent is a command. To repent and to come to know the king is a command. And we issue that command to this area. To repent. To be baptized. To receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. To be added to the church. We issue the command in the name of the king today. To, to come and to bow your knee to King Jesus. Come and repent and come and be a part. Oh Lord, use us and speak through us your commands to this generation. Lord, we'll stand in the gap. We will stand in the gap and pray. We'll stand in the gap for those who don't know you. We'll stand in the gap and declare to them the gospel until, until they take their last breath. Lord, use us. Use us and let us... Lord, I know that you're, you're on a long-range plan here that may or may not include you know, the, the next 40 years. But Lord, I pray that, you, I pray that it will. I pray that, you, that you'll let everyone in here see it. At least the glimpse. Let us see it, Lord. Let us see the revival come. Let us see the repent, mass repentance come. Lord, let us see things turn and turn and change radically for the kingdom of God. Because that is your desire. That's what you're crying out, Lord. You're crying out for the nations. Lord, hear our prayer for the nations also. 
Give us this state. Give us, give us America. Give us this little bit here called Willimantic, Wyndham. Give us Wyndham County. Give us New London County. Lord, if you can ask for the nations, Lord, we're, we're asking to. Lord, we um, once again we pray for those who um, who are sick today in any way, those who need a healing. Lord, for for Penny, pray that she'll con- she'll continue to recover, recover quickly. Thank you, Lord, that you're already working in her body. Lord, for Joe and and Pastor Kevin and Lynn, Lord, we pray for healing over them. Lord, especially Joe, pray that you'll protect Kevin and Lynn. Lord, keep them healthy and well. Lord, lift up Anne to you. And pray that you'll um, continue to heal her, heal her heart, heal her. Um, Lord, restore her strength. Lord, we um, ask that you'll just uh, continue to give this whole body uh, your healing, your restorative power. Lord, let us make a difference. In Jesus' name. Amen.